the Ghost Goal Podcast. The last round of Premier League fixtures before the first round of FA Cup games has come to a close as Arsenal and Newcastle played out to a 0-0 draw. Manchester City went to Chelsea and got a 1-0 win to close the gap on the leaders, and Manchester United continued their great run in the league since the Premier League started back up after the World Cup. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to episode 391 of the Ghost Goal Pod. Javier, uh, we got to talk about a few things few uh, things to do with our two clubs. I'll give you a little props. I will start with that. You said uh, 1-1 for that game. Could have could have been 1-1. I think the uh, the expected goals, which is a bullshit stat, in the end... Oh, for the Arsenal-Newcastle game? Yes. It was 0-0. Uh, it was 0-0. Um, and, you know, I thought it was going to be low scoring. We both, you know, neither of us predicted it was going to be a goal fest. But I think overall, you know, I think we learned that these are probably the t- two best defensive teams in the league. Um, they're the best organized teams in the league, and neither of them really gave each other ground in this game. I think Arsenal had definitely the better chances. You know, we had the better of the play, but Newcastle were just incredibly hard to break down. Um, we're always a threat on the counterattack, and it was really just, you know, you sent me something this morning. It was especially that first half, those first 20, 30 minutes. We were really tearing them up, and then they, they made a couple of tactical adjustments, and you know, uh, they, they moved Almiron and um, Willock. Shifted their, their wingers deeper. Yeah, that was the, the main, the, the main you know, shift. And just made, made them basically, you know, stay back. And they almost didn't threaten us at that point, other than that one set piece with Joe Ellington at the back post. You know, it was a great, great defensive performance from Arsenal to keep one of the best attack. I mean, this was a team that went 3-3 with uh, Manchester City at the Etihad earlier in the season. Uh, it was it was in Newcastle. Oh, but it yeah. was at Newcastle, but still, you know, still impressive. They were up three yeah, one in that game. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like we didn't concede any chances to that to that type of team. I'm still, I'm still fairly happy with that type of performance. Um, I know I said this was a must win game, but I think keeping a clean sheet, um, you know, getting another point here, it's not not the worst result, and uh, not not unhappy with it. And I think we can take a lot of positives. We could have won at the end there with that Enketia shot in like the 88th minute that uh, Pope had to get down really late to save. So, uh, you know, it was uh, there was also a big penalty shout on uh, Gabrielle. I don't know. I don't know how any you know. I've, no one who has seen the replay of that has argued with me that that's not a penalty. So it's pretty atrocious that that there was just not his shirt was literally ripped from the front to the back. Like you could see his the back of his name tag on his chest, which is like, all right, man. Like I get like a little shirt pull, but like. Full rotation. Yeah, full rotation. <laughs> yeah, the full rotation shirt pull. Like, you know, that, that, that's just a little bit too much for me. So I'm going to – that should have been a penalty. I think we probably would have scored that and gone on to win the game. But who knows? You know, that's a lot of buts and ifs. And, you know, there's been times where I think VAR has been kind to us. That was not one of those times. You know, I think these decisions a lot of times even out during a season. And this is probably one of those times that it evened out for us, you know, against us. And – you know, I while I think it was a stonewall penalty, I'm not happy about it. You know, I think in the end, uh, it, you know, the referee was not a uh, not in control of the game. He gave Newcastle some really soft yellow cards early in the game, and then kind of locked himself into a uh, you know really cagey affair. Where I think they, they, the the statistic was the ball was only in play for 51 minutes, where the average for a game is like 62 or 63 in the Premier League this season, and it was one of the lowest of, that the ball was actually moving 
because Newcastle were time wasting from early on in the, the the first half. So, and it was it was just uh, yeah, it was not a not a great game for uh, for a neutral. I mean, it was fun tactically. There was a lot of uh, back and forth. Yeah, you know, defensive plays, really great defensive plays from both sides, but uh, definitely one to be you know left for uh, the next time we meet them. Yeah, I was thinking after the or during that first, I think it was the first ten minutes of the game where you guys were getting counterattack after counterattack uh, on on either side, whether it was Martinelli against Trippier or uh, Saka against Dan Byrne. I was thinking you guys were going to you know sweep them off the field because Bakayo Saka one v one versus six foot seven Dan Byrne. I was just thinking. Like oh this is this is not going to end well for Newcastle. Why are they not you know giving Burn a little bit more support and leaving and not <laughs> trying to prevent those one v ones with Saka? And after about ten minutes, that's like seemingly when Eddie Howe realized like oh this pressing high up the field against Arsenal with the personnel that we have at the back, it's not going to work out well for us if it continues. And frankly, they were lucky to not be behind during that spell. And when they made the shift by you know. Uh, dropping Joe Ellington and Almiron back to uh, defend those a, a little bit more, that's when the game kind of like came to an impasse where it, there wasn't as much space for either winger for Arsenal. And, yeah, you know, Martinelli and Saka were two chances. or 3v1 to every single time that they tried to beat, you know, go down that wing. It was it was super after, frustrating. After that, after that, after that adjustment, yeah. If you guys had scored in those first 10 minutes, I don't know how Newcastle would have gotten back into the game if they had still made that shift to drop their wingers off to help out defensively, because I mean, you're right that Newcastle had some chances, but I didn't think they, they looked anywhere near as good as they have for most of the season. And, you know, a big reason for that is you guys have, you know, big threats on the, on the counter, but also, I mean, we had just played a game where we got completely outpossessed against Brighton, 68% to 32% flipped it around. It was, I think 68, 32 against Newcastle and this is a team that had been holding the ball a lot against you know even some of the big teams this season so it's not like Newcastle had been relinquishing the ball and just playing on the counterattack like this team had been holding possession playing attractive attacking football and we completely neutralized that so I'm happy with that part of our game because I felt like we let that slip a little bit against Brighton you know there were points in the game where you know we they didn't have us like on on skids but you know, we, we let them have a couple of cheap goals and easy goals, and Saliba had Saliba had a great game this time. You know, every time, every tackle, every pass on the ball, he looked like his old self. Um, and this is what we needed from him. You know, we needed him to be big in this game. We needed him to be big in the in the North London Derby in in a week here. So, you know, I'm uh, very much looking forward to that game. I think we we play Oxford in the FA Cup, which you got to think is going to be a good good opportunity for some of our youngsters and second team players, you know, El Nenny and Cedric and some of these other guys holding um, and give a rest to, to some of the first team players. And I think Smith Rowe is set to come back in that. That would be a that'll that'll be a big boost for us. That that was the that was something we were missing, right? We didn't have Reese Nelson, we didn't have Smith Rowe to come off the the bench, so there wasn't really like a or, you know, Gabriel Jesus slash Eddie Nketiah. We already had Nketiah on. But we were missing that, like, attacking threat off the bench that uh, could change the game in that second half. So definitely definitely came to, like, a, you know, kind of a lull at the end of, the, of, of that game. Talk to me a little bit. I mean, we've mentioned him before about Eddie Nketiah, about how he's come in since Gabriel Jesus's injury during the World Cup and looked very good. He, he didn't score in this game, but just talk a little bit about how overall he's 
you know, managed to maybe not completely fill that void left by Jesus, but he's played his part since that injury. Like you were, you were talking, you were yeah, venting no, about he, this uh, to me this morning. He, he does a few things very, very well that he seems to have learned to do in Arteta system that are required from the center forward in, in this type of system, which really the, the biggest thing that the center forward in Arteta system has to do is enable Martinelli and Saka space to, to get at the, at the wingbacks, get one V ones and then be there for a cutback uh, for either one of those players if they decide to cut it back to you. But those players are both very good with either feet, so they can also shoot. So, you know, there's a there's a very clear, you know, area of attack. And then also, you know, your job is also to get the ball to Odegaard, who can also, you know, put it in a decisive pass through to... to so, you're, you're, you know, your main jobs are to obviously to find the front three, to hold up the ball um, and finish when required. But... What he's been doing really well is is just simple passes. There's times where Gabriel Jesus would get the ball, you know, up the pitch, and he would go at the defense, which is good sometimes. But then he would lose the ball sometimes, you know. And Ketia might beat a player or two, but then he'll cycle the ball to Saka. He'll get it to Martinelli. He rarely, rarely loses the ball or makes it a bad decision when it comes to possession, and. It helps us keep the ball a little bit more and keep a little bit more control of the game than when Jesus is in the game. When Jesus is a little bit more like chaotic, the game feels a little bit more like it can go end to end when he's there because he might get a ball. He he might be you know pressing like crazy, get it get a steal, but then you know the whole team is right next to him when that happens. If we suddenly lose the ball, you know we can get caught on 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 the counter attack when Jesus is in the team. I think a little bit more often. Um, but again, I think Enketia brings. I don't think he's better by any means. Not not right, even close. I think Jesus is still. You know, we're still much better with Jesus on the pitch. Um, much more threatening. You know that he can carry the ball, beat three or four players. Enketia can't do that. But Enketia can finish. You know, you give him a chance in the box, he'll probably get it on goal. And he's 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 taking up the role right now. You know, he's he's put, filling the shoes that he needed to to fill to. You know, give us a chance to. Let's see if we can get some, bring someone in this window. You know, we're going to need it. Jesus isn't going to be back till March, so we're going to need the reinforcements to get through these next three months. And uh, so far, Enketia's looked good, but he's, he can't do it by himself, you know. Injuries could start to pile up once Europa starts again, and we need, we need another player. I know we have Balogun on loan. I think we have to keep him on loan. I don't think we can recall him. Like, I think he's doing too well in France to, 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 to bring him back. Right. And the other thing I was going to say about Inketia, when Saka and Martinelli are playing this well, you don't need him to take risks. Like, I'm not saying, I'm agreeing with you that Inketia is not a better option than Jesus. But you feel like with Jesus and the team, he might take like some risks, which you, you want him to take because he's a very talented player. But he might take some risks at certain points and under certain like circumstances that maybe like the the simple pass, the simple layoff to players like I mean, all three of Martinelli, Saka, and Odegaard are playing out of their skin at the moment. You, you, you're it's okay to be relying on them. I know it seems counterintuitive that your goal, your you know center forward is not the biggest threat in your team, but he's getting the job done. He, well, he's helping the team get the job done. So uh, that, that, that's all you really need at the minute. Now, if those other if two of those three players, like one of them gets injured and one of them kind of drops off in form. Then yeah, you would be begging for a player like uh, Jesus to be in your team to win you games, but at the moment it's it's working a treat. So, got to give credit to Eddie and Ketia. 
you were kind of nudging me to give him credit in previous pods, and I, I kind of just avoided it. But uh, yeah, I'm giving him credit now. He's well, doing it's because uh, I mean, he, he got a pretty big contract. I think it's like a hundred thousand a week from Arsenal, which is I mean, it's around five mil a year plus bonuses if he gets a certain goal scoring and appearance. I think he can get up to one thirty, one forty k. So, I mean, that's a that's a huge contract for a player who was pretty much unproven in the in the first team. Got a small run, had a few goals, and ended up and in the end ended up not getting us top four. You know, and you thought that wasn't good enough, um, and that if we had to rely on him during this season, you thought we were going to fail. And so far, that hasn't been the case. So, just. Thanks for giving him props for at least doing, holding up, you know, some part of his of like why we're giving why we gave him that money, why we didn't go out and spend thirty or forty million on a new striker, because we already had one right there, you know. I maintain that uh, Inketia, especially with that new contract, he uh, he needs to take out Andreas Christensen and Malang Saar for dinner because without them fucking up in that Chelsea game at the end of last season, I don't think he's at Arsenal at the moment. <laughs> He's he just got handed those goals on a silver platter and he took the chance. So good for him. Uh, yeah, let's move on to this Chelsea Manchester City game that just finished uh, earlier today. Manchester City walked out one nil winners at Stamford Bridge. They closed the gap to what is it? Five points now? Yeah, five points. Five points. OK, yeah. So uh, a good week for them. This is going to sound like the worst thing a Chelsea fan can say, but just the way our season's going, a one nil loss to me was the best result we could have You're such a piece game. of shit. Yeah, you yes. were like rooting I, against Chelsea in this full, game. I was not rooting against us. I was I rooting just, for I Chelsea and I Alex was like, I win. want us to lose because that, yeah. you I, said, if we win, you'll be win getting Arsenal closer to winning the league. Yeah, and that's I, ridiculous. I can't have that. You're a horrible fan. You're it. a terrible Chelsea fan. You know what, Javier? I don't feel bad about it because this Chelsea team on so many occasions have decided to not show up. And th- this was not one of those games. They, there were some positives in this game. kind of show up in Kovacic this game. was really good. So was Chukwemenka. And yeah, there was some Zacharia was pretty good. But at the end of the game there, you know, half the team is like, not half the team. A couple of players in the team are like development squad players. We had two injuries. Yeah, in the but you've first sucked off like Lewis Hall we before, had, like, and you've said yeah, how no, good he is. Like, why? I think he's gonna be a very like, good player down the you line. You should be giving that kid game Look, time. Give me, Same give me with, a second uh, here, Javier. You know, maybe not Hutchinson, Just but under the circumstances, Mason Mount gets injured in the warm up. Raheem Sterling gets injured two minutes in and has to be subbed off, and then Christian Pulisic gets injured like seventeen minutes in and has to be subbed off. So that's two of our five substitutions in the first twenty minutes. It was. <laughs> Not the worst performance. I'm just talking about like uh, plenty of other games. How hilarious this, was it that Aubameyang got subbed up. on and then he got subbed off? Like, subbed off, yeah. Jesus. I'm sure he's going to react very well to that. He's going right. to be. He's, he's be some very absolute happy trash. Now you yeah. guys are enjoying the Aubameyang. Um, yeah, I mean, Alex, I, think you're I feel be like seeing too much of him. To be honest, I feel I like you guys. He might be done at Chelsea. You guys um, kind of feel like Arsenal did at the end of the Wenger era. Where I mean, obviously your team has Champions League winners with the giant asterisks, but um, you know you what, you have a lot of asterisks. Oh, there was COVID. It was empty stadiums, and there was a oh was okay. Easy, so we're not Champions we're not counting for, we're not uh, counting that FA Cup that you won against us. Then we're not we're not counting that. Yeah, we, we don't have was, to count that if we don't count your Champions League. I'm okay with that. 
That's, that's, that's equality. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally all right with that, Alex. Yeah, no FA Cup no, win no. for us, and uh, you didn't win they the both Champions count, that year. Is what I'm no, saying. no, no, they, no. They both count. They, neither of them count. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, also, Arteta <laughs> hasn't won anything at Arsenal. He's never. He hasn't won. He's anything. never won anything. No, until this season. Yeah, he'll win this year. Uh, oh God. God damn it! Now you got me. Now you got me distracted, Alex. Chelsea feel like Arsenal under at the end under Wenger. That's what you're yes, saying. Yes, 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 yes. What I was going to say was like you, we, we had a lot of players who were on pretty high wages who had been there for a long time. You know, some of them had won some FA Cups with Arsenal. I'm looking at players like, you know, Walcott, Ramsey, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain, Kieran Gibbs. I mean, I you know, there's a lot of play- Granite Jaka, to be honest. Um, you know, Aubameyang, Lacazette, uh, Kolasinac, Mustafi. I mean, fucking William came in. I mean, there were so many players during during the. That, I guess that was a little bit later on, but there were so many players who were left over from the Wenger era um, that the club had to get rid of. And it wasn't because necessarily all of them were performing badly at all times. Mkhitaryan, Ozil, God, there were so many of them. Uh, <laughs> but all of these players, in the end, some of them have gone on to be successful, like Mkhitaryan, who's gone on to be good. You know. Good, still playing well at Inter right now. Not a lot of them have been successful, but it took Arsenal a few years to get rid of these players. I mean, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one window. It doesn't happen in two windows. It takes about two years of butchering the team, taking players out, freezing players, you know, having these difficult conversations. And your team's going to have to stick with that manager. I think Potter, you know, I, I, I think you stick with him despite whatever results happen this season, whatever place you get, if you win nothing, you know, you let him get rid of the players he doesn't want anymore in the summer. You let him buy, you know, 150, 200 million. Chelsea have a shitload of money, whatever. You let him buy four or five of players that he wants and let him start fresh next season because this season was totally fucked up. This was Tuchel's team, you know, coming into the year. Potters had to come in, you know, very abruptly. I'm sure it was not planned in any way, shape or form. Um, he was doing really well at Brighton and has had to come in and he hasn't done, I think, a terrible job. He hasn't done an amazing job. I think he's probably done the same type of job that Tuchel would have done, maybe, maybe slightly worse probably than Tuchel. I think Tuchel might have gotten a little bit more from the team. Um, but Chelsea are still in the Champions League. You guys are, you know, starting your FA Cup campaign. I think, are you still in the League Cup? No, you lost to City, right? We lost to City just before the uh, the World Cup, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think for Chelsea, it's it's not all doom and gloom. I think you had you had players like Chukomenka today looking really really good. That's going to be a player for Chelsea in the future. Great, you know, great nab for Aston Villa there. I don't, you think you guys played paid a decent chunk for him too? Um, uh, like twenty million, something like that. Zakaria looked pretty decent. You know, he might be a a player for you guys in, in you know the next couple of years. He might be okay. Uh, if you end up making that move permanent, it's all, it's a loan right now, right? Yeah, it's a loan with an option to buy. Um, and yeah, he has looked he's looked decent. Kovacic looked good. I don't know. I think there was there was positives. You only conceded one goal, like you said, with all the injuries, Alex. It's not the end of the world for Chelsea. Yeah, it's it's not surprising that you know Potter has run into complications let's say uh you know we had, he had like a good start at chelsea i think he had something like six or seven games unbeaten uh to to start and that, that's in all competitions turned around the the awful start in the champions league where we didn't win either of our first two games to get first in that group um so there were signs of promise in the beginning 
but this Chelsea, this group of players has shown multiple times under multiple managers in the past that once they hit a speed bump around like November, they're not they're not really capable of turning it around themselves. Every, like, everything just seems to go off the off the rails at that point. That including like the injuries that seem to always come up around that time of year, they, they these players have just seemed to throw in the towel, regardless of who the manager is. So I, I'm not like willing to say like Potter isn't up to it and he can't change it. Also, I, I think Potter is a, uh, a manager who, you know, he, he does well and he has done well at multiple clubs before, you know, for the, the standard of those clubs when given time. There was a time under, uh, well, when he was at Brighton, I think from about like 2020 into 2021, where Brighton went 14 games at home in the league without a win. And most of those most of those were draws, which, you know, most Chelsea fans will jump up and say that that's Brighton, though, that like we're Chelsea, we're like a different standard. I think Chelsea fans are going to have to shift their their worldview, I guess, because Obviously, Roman Abramovich is not the owner anymore. It's not automatic success or you're out as the standard. And, you know, plenty of fans are going to say, well, that's a drop in the standard and I don't want to support that. Well, guess what? We have no choice. There is no choice here. It's a new ownership group. They're taking the club in a different direction. And from all accounts that I can see about the clubs that are doing well in the Premier League and competing at the top... It's all about creating a more sustainable top-to-bottom approach in the club. Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp were the two biggest examples before where, I mean, Pep didn't have to wait that long because he had more money to spend, but people were saying he should have won the league in that first year at City. He didn't. He got out some older players in key areas, brought in new players, and eventually created the juggernaut that they have today. Spent $200 million on fullbacks in one summer. Right, yeah. Like I said, he had the money to do that and do that more quickly. A Jurgen Klopp, how many years was he at Liverpool before they won the league title? From like 2016, I think he joined, and then 2020. He won the Champions League after three years, and then the league yeah, title after four. So, But people, people tend to forget just how... In, uh, inconsistent that Liverpool team were for the first two years under him. Yeah, they would have big performances and score like goals in bunches, but they would also have some like runs of results that you'd look you would look back on now and think like, oh, Jurgen Klopp lost to like whatever bottom half club. It's going to take a little bit of time. I think two years. What you quoted, I think that's right about it. Like we may be out of the Champions League for two years, which seems dire. That. Seems awful. We may not be in any European competition next season and may like only just get into Europa League uh, the following season. So it might be a couple of years till we're back in the Champions League. But I think given the sort of the more holistic approach that the new owners are are trying to take with the club, they've spent since uh, last August when the transfer window closed uh, until this January, they've spent those couple of months recruiting new uh, executives and the techni- technical de- uh, director role and uh, recruitment roles in general. They've brought in guys from AS Monaco and RB Salzburg uh, to, to fill those roles and, you know, create a strategy for recruitment that isn't in, that isn't solely focused on buying the biggest, best players. They've tried to create a, like, sustainable is the word that I keep hearing out of the club. They want to buy players who are younger at a lower price than, you know, some of the big transfers we saw last summer. 
Uh, the main one being Badia Ashile, who I think was 35 million. Yeah, do you understand? Uh, now I was now? like shitting all over your 120 million. Like, I didn't think you guys are going to go spend that right now, considering the way that you've been doing your signings. You guys haven't been going and spending yeah. that insane amount. I mean, that was that was the la- the last time you did that was Lukaku, and that was not that was under another regime. So I haven't seen Boley go out and we've heard of these crazy bids, but none of them have actually materialized. So like. I you know until I see Bowley go out and spend 130 million on a player, I'm not going to believe that Chelsea are going to be the team to do that. I think you guys are going to make shrewder buys, which is the way well, to do it. Bowley himself was making signings like that. I think he spent like 70 million. Was it 70? No, it was like 45 or 50 on Raheem Sterling when no one else was in for him. He spent like 60 million on Kukurea. Uh, many, a lot of people were shitting on Chelsea for spending too much money on Kukurea and. and that looks like it's correct so far this season. But uh, again, I think there's still a lot of work that Potter can do with not only Kukurea, but plenty of other players I mean, players people were, in the club people were ripping on improve. Arsenal for spending $50 million on Ben White. And I think that's like a bargain. I, I think it's turned out to be a, a steal for us. I'm, I'm absolutely loving what Ben White's been doing for us this year. Yeah, and I mean, so much of... What people, what people's opinions of those transfer fees specifically is, is made up of how they end up playing. And Ben White didn't have an amazing first season for Arsenal. That's why people were shitting on them. And then, you know, th- this last season, he's turned into one of the best and, you know, most uh, flexible defenders in the league. He can play at center back or right back and even in a pinch can go into midfield. So I have no doubt that like Kukurea can improve his performances and become a better player. I'm just. Uh, I'm he was so bad see... on that goal today, man. Uh, he had to like get get something on that. I don't know how he. He was not that. as bad as Keppa. <laughs> you know that ball went right past Keppa's hand, and Keppa didn't even reach for it. He just watched like he had the front row seat. Um, so it was a minute after Grealish and Mars had come on, you let them score like that. Come on, that was just. Uh, that was just so brutal. Yeah, one one final thing I want to get to. I, I've mentioned it a little bit, but the injuries, man. Here's, here's the injury list for Chelsea at the moment. Edu Mendy, who w- probably wouldn't be starting anyway. Reese James, Wesley Fofana, Ben Chilwell, N'Golo Kante, Mason Mount got injured in the warm-up. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is expected back soon. Armando Broya, who's out for the rest of the season and probably into next season with an ACL tear that he sustained in a warm-up match against Villa. Raheem Sterling got injured two minutes into the game today and Christian Pulisic. God, that's an insane amount of injuries. Wow. So that's a look into why we ended up with like Lewis Hall and Amari Hutchinson coming into the game today. I, I, I say, I mean, I, I don't want to say tank this season because obviously you still want to, you know, improve and show that the team as a whole are steadily improving from now until the end of the season. But I think there's enough promising performances from players that most would consider like fringe players like Chukwameka, uh, Lewis Hall and, and Amari Hutchinson that you should like we should really be just trying to give players like that as many minutes as like feasibly possible I mean, it's literally what we what we've been doing the last couple of years with like Saka right. Martinelli you know Odegaard Smith Rowe we've been you know knowing that these players are not going to be the absolute best we could buy you know a 30 40 million pound player but once given the game time you know Odegaard same thing his first season at Arsenal you know he had that he had the season on loan. He looked, you know, I would say pretty good. His loan season, he came yeah. back. He hasn't been, he wasn't like amazing to start. Um, but then this season, he's just been, 
he's been unbelievable. You know, he's been one of the best players in the Premier League. And the one final little thing I wanted to say about Chelsea is that Thiago Silva and Kaladu Koulibaly are both like very good names on paper. But I think if we want to be, you know, developing players for the future, if we have, if we're playing with two center backs in a back four, Potter needs to pick between one of those two experienced center backs. And then in the other center back position, he needs to be playing either Trevor Chalaba or Benoit Badiashile, who we just signed. And Thiago Silva and Koulibaly, like a little wrinkle today is they they switched their center back spots. The last couple of games, it had been Silva at left center back and Koulibaly at right center back. And teams were absolutely just rinsing us down our own right side. They were just focusing on Aspilicueta and Koulibaly and tearing that right side to shreds. But with Silva over there, him and Aspilicueta did a lot better than I've seen from the last couple of games. He, Silva kind of you know, covered for Aspilicueta when necessary. And he was, it wasn't as open as, as I've seen in, in previous games. So if we're sticking with, I, I think you would assume it would be Thiago, Thiago Silva who stays in the team. He should play right center back and give Badiashile a role, a run at left center back. He's left footed. He's very adept at playing long balls out from the back, long lofted balls out to uh, the wings. That's something we, we really need, especially a left footed player. So uh, if you're going with Thiago Silva and Benoit Badiashile, then maybe the next game you go with Koulibaly and Trevor Chalaba as uh, the center back pairing. Like those should be the two groupings of center backs that we play. But we'll see. What do you think is the best position Chelsea can finish in this season? We're currently in tenth on 25 points. We're closer to the bottom three than we are the top four. Do with that information what you will. Yeah, I don't see you finishing in the top six. So seven. Seventh. I think that's yeah. the best you can do. I mean, we're only three points behind Liverpool. I know they're they're playing better than us right now, but I mean, they've shown that we thought they were quote back, but then they shat the bed against Brentford the other night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think I think Liverpool, Tottenham, United, Newcastle, City, Arsenal all finish above you. So I'm going to say you finish seventh. So we do qualify for Europe. Yes, you will be in the uh, Conference League. The Conference League. Okay, that means we can win the Conference you'll League. You'll be battling. We'll, you'll we'll, be battling we'll with your all with your bid old rivals, Fulham and Brighton and Brentford, all the other London clubs. For uh, I guess not Brighton. But, Bright, uh, Brighton, Brighton, London Fulham club now. <laughs> yeah, Fulham and Brentford for uh, it's London a, it's a West London showdown. Place. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, we are a point behind Brentford and three points behind Fulham, and we have a game in hand. So you know we're pretty much level with them. Yeah, it's. Uh, Dark times at Chelsea, but I think most Chelsea fans just need to develop patience, patience with the Potter era. I, I think if we stick it out, I do believe once he has had time to mold the team in his image and get out, you know, the the old guard of the team, we'll have something to work with. God, I was just looking. You guys have scored less goals than pretty much almost everyone else in the league. You guys are one of the worst attacking sides in the league. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. It's not a place to be, Alex. You've scored about as much as Bournemouth. Bournemouth have 18, you have 20. It's not It's not good, Alex. It's definitely not good enough. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's mention just a couple of results. Uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, Everton lost 4-1 at home to Brighton. Uh, Frank Lampard is very much... Uh, on the ropes there. Uh, Fulham went to Leicester and won 1-0. Manchester United beat Bournemouth 3-0. I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but uh, if you did, please speak on Manchester United. I'm uh, 
I, I'm, I'm willing to give them credit, but they haven't played anyone good. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a relatively routine win for them. I mean, they, they're beating the, the teams that are in front of them. I know they lost. Last time they lost, they lost 3-1 to Aston Villa, and it was a pretty comprehensive loss. But then they went went ahead and beat Fulham away, which was a good win. They beat Nottingham Forest, kept a clean sheet at home. Uh, you know, beat Wolves away, another clean sheet. Beat Bournemouth at home, another clean sheet. And for Manchester United, you know, Marcus Rashford looks like he's he's back. He's the real deal. As soon as... You know, Ronaldo left the club. You know, he seemed to have found his form internationally for the for the for Manchester United. Uh, you know, Bruno Fernandes seems to be playing better. Uh, even even all the center backs. I mean, they, they started this game with Lindelof and Maguire and kept a clean sheet and won three nil. You know, they they were able to rest Varane and Lissandra Martinez, who are their I think their first choice center backs. Um, you know, and and they've been getting. Game time to you know Alejandro Garnacho, to uh, Anthony Alanga, oh and and yeah and they even got Donny Van de Beek starting this game but sadly I think he went off injured in in extra time of that uh, first half, but yeah I think that that front four of Rashford Martial you know Bruno Eriksen it's it's it works they don't have Ronaldo in there anymore and and I'm excited to see what they can. Uh, you know what they can do this year. I think they're going to make top four. They look they look not like a lock, but they look like they're going to be battling it. You know till the end, they're definitely going to be up there. I mean, they're they're two points clear of Tottenham. They're sitting in fourth place the right game now. In hand. They, they've got a game in hand. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't. They disagree play City with you. next. I mean, this is a huge game. We play Tottenham. I mean, these are two two teams that I'm sure United have to win this game. Tottenham have to win their game. You know, it's uh, th- these are two must-win games to 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 stay in that uh that top four right now, and you know Liverpool are breathing behind these teams next, you know coming in hot, and I don't know. I think it's it's set up well. It's set up well to be an exciting season. And Manchester United being good again sets everything up for uh for you know even though Chelsea have dropped out of that top six right for this season, United slash Newcastle filling that void again. You know, I, we didn't think United were going to be. I didn't think they were going to be this good this season. Obviously, I thought Ronaldo, the Ronaldo effect, was going to, you know, poison their entire season. It was going to be another wasted season. But them and Newcastle have been, you know, big surprises. Fulham up to seventh place. You know, another win for Fulham as well. I gave them a shout out last time. They beat, you know, they beat. They ended up beating Southampton. They beat Leicester away. Kept a clean sheet. Mitrovic scored again. Just amazing, amazing from uh, from Fulham as well. I you know I don't know how they're uh, how they're doing so well, but they they're already pretty much safe. Oh yeah, definitely safe, absolutely. Um, just another couple of games to mention from Wednesday. Uh, Nottingham Forest went to Southampton and got a one nil win. Leeds and West Ham played out to probably the the game of the week with a two two draw. Uh, Aston Villa and Wolves drew 1-1, and uh, Tottenham went to Crystal Palace and won uh, 4-0 behind a brace from Harry Kane. Uh, and Son finally got back on the score sheet, so uh, we were saying he had been having a poor season, so good for him uh, turning that around. We've got FA Cup games this weekend, though, so those Premier League games are not going to be happening until the following weekend. Uh, a couple of games, I mean, there's tons of games. It's obviously like League One clubs and championship clubs are are taking part in the FA Cup still. 
but some of the Premier League focused ones, uh, Manchester United, Everton, uh, Friday at 3 p.m., uh, Liverpool playing Wolves on Saturday at 3 p.m., Manchester City and Chelsea, uh, thank you very much, FA, for uh, making us have to play Manchester City twice in four days. Uh, that will be Sunday at 11.30 a.m. back at the uh, the Etihad. And then uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Oxford United and Arsenal will be Monday at 3 p.m. Uh, there, there's plenty of other games, like I said. 10 a.m. Uh, on Saturday is going to be when most of those games are being played. So if you have ESPN+, Plus, you'll have a big selection of plenty of those games. And I do recommend, even if you haven't heard of many of the teams, Keep an eye on like what the score is uh, in those games around that 10 a.m. time slot. And if you, there's going to be tons of high-scoring, very entertaining games, regardless of whether you've heard of the teams or follow them at all. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely advise that. This, this first round of the FA Cup where the Premier League teams are introduced, it's always it always throws up like a ton of surprises. Random League One and League Two clubs going to Premier League or Championship clubs and upsetting them or giving them scares. It's uh, it's 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 fun, even if you don't know many of the players. I, I myself, I, I can't predict most of these games, so uh, just excited to see how that all that all turns out. Well, unless you've got something else to talk about, Javier, I think it's a uh, good time to close things up there. No, I think uh, we about gave uh, everyone their due. I think oh, Tottenham, Tottenham, uh, they got they got a nice little four 0 I know you mentioned Son getting off the, but yeah, we got to give them a little bit of. Uh, I think there had been, they broke that streak finally of going behind first. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, and seeing uh, as they won four 0 had, had a nice, comfortable four 0 win and looked pretty good in that. Crystal Palace isn't an easy way, easy place to go play. So, I think that's a pretty, pretty good result for them. We'll give them some confidence going into the uh, North London Derby in a week from here. All right. Well, Javier, thanks again. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMoss92. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and leave a rating or review. Those help new listeners to find the pod. And enjoy the FA Cup games this weekend, everyone. Until next time. See ya.